All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon, this is Nadia Budihajo with your Wednesday headlines. A preferred site has been revealed for the state's multi-billion dollar Westport development, but exact costs and revised project timelines remain unclear. The state government today revealed plans to build Westport adjacent to the shore of the existing Quinana bulk shipping terminal. Westport costings and delivery timeframes will be revealed in the project's business case, scheduled for release in late July or August next year. However, the project will not be built by the previously mooted timeline at the end of 2032. It is also likely to cost more than the previously estimated $4 billion pitched by the government in 2020. The selected Westport design will incorporate a new container terminal and breakwater and facilitate larger ships than at the existing Fremantle terminal it will ultimately replace. The site was chosen following 18 months of design and consultation of key stakeholders. In agribusiness, a cattle station in the Kimberley has been acquired by a Canadian buyer under a deal with Chinese property mogul Hui Wing Mao that is believed to be $300 million. The Kimberley Cattle Portfolio, made up of the Yugawala Pastoral Co. and Argyle Cattle Co. operations, is a large-scale cattle breeding business stretched across 2.9 million hectares. Real estate firm Lord Senior Director Danny Thomas and Directors Elizabeth Doyle and Simon Wilkinson brokered a deal on behalf of Mr Wing Mao, who is the founder of Chinese property firm Shimao Property. Canadian buyer AIMCO describes itself as one of Canada's largest institutional investment managers and has previously bought mixed farming business Lawson Grains with a portfolio across Australia. The deal is understood to be worth about $300 million, effectively making it one of the largest rural deals of the year after it passes foreign investments regulators. In other news, the taxpayer-funded financial lifeline propping up the insolvent Griffin Coal Mining Company over the past year is closing in on $40 million, according to state government figures. Since January 11, the receivers and managers of Griffin Coal have drawn down $39.3 million to support the ongoing operation of the company's coal mine near Collie. The figures were provided in response to questioning by opposition energy spokesman Steve Thomas, who said the situation was an ongoing financial disaster. The funding covers the gap between revenue generated and the overall cost of running the loss-making venture, which supplies coal at uneconomic prices to Blue Waters Power Station as well as South 32's Worsley Refinery. The latest figure reflects an $8.8 million increase in the drawdowns from the state's coffers since September to keep the foreign-owned project up and running. That's all the headlines from me. For more major stories from today, visit businessnews.com.au. Coming up next on the podcast, Isabel Vieira and Tom Zornmeyer discuss the state's biggest employers and the rise of automation. Celebrate business leaders, entrepreneurs and trailblazers with business news events. With our flagship event series, bespoke online events, webinars, book launches and gala awards programs. Our forums showcase the policies and issues affecting Western Australia within industry and government. Our events are your platforms to engage and connect with the Western Australian business community. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash events for more information. 
Welcome back to the At Close of Business podcast. I'm Isabel Vieira and today I'm joined by Tom Zonmeyer. Tom, how are you going? I'm great, yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. So we're here today to discuss your latest feature in the Business News magazine um, on the biggest employers in WA. I guess to start off with, who's the biggest employer? Right, I mean, it's probably a question that a lot of people would answer with, say, one of the mining companies, right? That seems legit, but uh, no, it is, of course, the state governments. Uh, two of their departments in particular, Department of Education and Department of Health combined employ about 6% of the entire workforce in Western Australia. And given the amount of facilities they have around the state, that kind of makes sense when you think about it. Yeah. So, so what are some of those? Is that in health or where, where are we talking? Yeah. Yeah. So that's um, you know, between the hospitals, the schools, um, bureaucracies, whether that's in regional offices, uh, outreach services, uh, the people based back here in offices in Perth. So there's kind of really sprawling and multifaceted roles that exist in those two departments um, and in the wider departments across government as well when you look at police and training and all these other kind of things um, you know they're, they're a huge employer uh, they've been advertising heavily over mm-hmm. the past few years to boost their workforces further particularly in the likes of police and in education and health where there's a desperate need so um, as I said it, it, it it's Kind of obvious when you think beyond the obvious that, mm. yeah, of course, the state government is the largest employer in Western Australia. There you go. And right behind them, who would that be? Uh, so that does come down to uh, the miners and uh, the supermarkets, something mm. that's often forgotten about. Um, you know, Coles and Woolworths stores all over the state um, and uh, a lot of work behind the scenes there as well. Uh, so Woolworths, we believe, is actually the largest direct employer in Western Australia. So when you look at Rio Tinto, BHP, Fortescue, those mining companies, which do have the largest overall figures, BHP thinks, uh, as they say, is at 23,000 now, but a lot of that does come down to uh, people who are contracted, mm-hmm. uh, whereas when you look at Woolworths and Coles, um, even things like McDonald's, KFC, they are directly employed jobs. There you go. And you touched on it in the article, but um, you know, how does self-checkouts and some of those uh, new technology automation coming in, how does that affect employment? Yeah, um, it's been a thing that's been talked a lot about. Um, I certainly remember when I was starting out in jobs back in 2003, 2004 in school, um, there wasn't much of talk of an automation. People, most people were still using cash to pay for things. Mm-hmm. But around about 2008, 2009 was when Woolies and Coles started bringing in self-checkouts and the real nature of um, that front end, that front of house work started to change. Um, and, and so we see now we're we all use self-checkouts. I mean, I don't remember the last time I went through a cashier. Yeah. Um, and other things as well in terms of they do have more people now actually going out to operate for click and collect. So that's um, employing people to go through the shelves and find the products that people have bought online and deliver them to their car or even deliver them to their home. So a lot of talk in those early years about how this is going to lead to a lot of a reduction in jobs and particularly in a reduction in jobs in those people who really need these roles. So young kids, uni students, um, you know, people who are coming from backgrounds where they might not have the other opportunities that some of us do, who have traditionally been, uh, you know, looking at supermarkets and fast food outlets for jobs. So there was concern around that, but the facts that we find in data and insights now shows that there are more people employed than ever before mm-hmm. in these outlets and uh, it's just the nature of work that's changed. So they're not necessarily serving, they're scanning items through the till, they're talking with people in the shop, they're going around and finding items that people who are too busy to come into the shop. Uh, so more those kind of 
I guess, changing nature of jobs. Yeah, that makes sense. And and looping back to the mining sector, you know, are there any new trends or anything that we're seeing there? Yeah, so very much the same kind of thing in terms of automation. Um, I was in the Pilbara in 2014-15 when they really started talking about uh, automating trains and automating bucket wheel reclaimers and loaders and all these things. And again, a lot of concern, mm. uh, particularly around... Um, job losses, but also where those jobs will be located in the future. Um, one of those concerns you could argue has borne true, and a lot of those jobs are now based in Perth mm-hmm. instead of in the regions. But in terms of the actual job numbers, they're still on the increase. Again, more people than they've ever employed, really. Um, it just It's the nature of work, again, that's changed. And in the mining industry, it's more it, a lot of that's around driving safety and driving efficiency. So having someone sitting behind a de- sitting at a desk in an air-conditioned room in Perth or in the, out at the airport operating these remote equipment. It's a lot safer mm-hmm. for the staff uh, and it is a lot more efficient, um, particularly when you're looking at uh, the trains um, just being able to go up and down with robots instead of having having to swap drivers over all the time. Mm. Um, but again, they, they have increased their staff, contrary to what we were saying in 2014 about how many people were going to be cut and how these are going to be bare bones operations. There's still a hell of a lot of people. Uh, those workforces are still growing. They're just in different roles requiring different skill sets, which um, there's been a lot of work on upskilling and reskilling people in the workforce to adapt to that. Yeah, there you have it. And in the article, you also spoke to Curtin Uni Future of Work Director Mark Griffin, who said that some of that technology, you know, especially in the retail and food out, you know, outlets, um, is changing the way that customers interact with companies. You know, can you elaborate a little bit what, what he means by this? Yeah, so they're doing a lot of interesting work and it's very much in this space of where the next jobs are going to be and how people are adapting to the changing nature of the workplace. And it's one of the points that it really drove home was that as we remove these traditional front of house roles, you know, the people that used to meet and, well, depending on how nice you were as a customer service rep, <laughs> you meet and greet while you're you know, working through what you want to buy and how you're going to pay for it, is that... You know, we're bringing in roles where there are still where is there is still that customer focus, not in the traditional transactional way, but more so just in creating a good experience in the workplace. Um, particularly relevant in your retail and hospitality outlets like your McDonald's and your KFCs and your Woolworths and your Coles, where you know, they need to have good. You know, they need to make customers want to come back. Mm-hmm. There you have it, Tom. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.